My name is Louisa from the Cutting Edge Podcast, um, and I reached out to Caitlin and Cassie, and I just wanted, I thought it'd just be a cool idea to get a bunch of all these podcasters that are popping up in the equine world just to talk about their own podcast and how they got started. I know I had a lot of like tech difficulties, and it's been kind of interesting and unique getting a podcast started in the horse world. So I also thought like that side of it would just be funny. And I know a lot of people are at home right now. So I reached out to Caitlin and she kind of had this great idea and this great platform for all of us. And she invited Ben Self on. And uh, so I just want to say thanks, Caitlin, for getting us started. Yeah, thanks for the idea. And thanks, Cassie and Ben, for joining. This is so much fun. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I guess I said that I'd kind of narrate it, but I just want us to have a kind of cool organic conversation about podcast life. but maybe let's start with uh, who we are. I guess I can I can get us started and who what podcast we produce and what the podcast about and all that kind of stuff. So obviously I'm Louisa Merchwhite. I already said it. I have the Cutting Edge Podcast, which is brought to you by Western Twist Media, which is my marketing company. Uh, my podcast is all about the cutting horse world. I do focus on a lot of trainers, but I like to get a lot of non-pros, lopers, competitors, breeders, kind of everyone that's involved in my industry because I just think it's such a great platform to just talk to people and learn more about them. And I started The Cutting Edge last February, so I'm just over a year old, and I think I'm at like 40 episodes, so we're just kind of chipping along. So, Kaylin, do you want to go next? You're kind of down from me in the screen. I don't know if everyone can see the same (laughs) pattern, but maybe, Kaylin, you can like kind of intro yourself and tell us a bit more about you and Finding the Feel. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Caitlin Hurst. I produce and host the podcast Finding the Feel. We interview performance horse trainers um, and elite athletes about their mindsets and habits that make them successful. We focus really in on the reining and the cow horse community, but also try to bring in others from uh, other disciplines to kind of bring other points of view. I think there's something we can, can learn from everybody. And so I started in 2018. We're in season two, and it's it's been a blast. That's awesome. How about you, Ben? Give us a little intro into who you are and what your podcast is all about. My name is Ben Self. I'm 15 years old, and I'm from Pilot Point, Texas. I'm the producer and co-founder of Cow Horse Full Contact. We started Cow Horse Full Contact in uh, early, early January of this year, and we have 13 episodes published so far in our our hosts are Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. We focus primarily on the cow horse community and interviewing people that have promoted the rain cow horse industry and have made a big step with their career. That's awesome. And Ben has the deepest voice of any 15-year-old I've ever encountered. <laughs> I, I said that to him before we got on here. I was like, I did not know that you were so young until I heard about it Like from I, like I'd listened to his podcast. And I thought he was just some older person like the rest of us and he's just casual 15 year old <laughs> launching his own podcast that's so I cool thought, i thought the same thing but i didn't even think to ask your age and then i met you and i'm like well that's impressive yeah, yeah i'm like ben's really got us beat <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> cassie how about you okay yeah so i'm cassie hosauer uh, i have the lipstick and cowboy boots podcast um i started it in 2017 uh, though I do not quite have 40 episodes like Miss Louisa does. I think I only have about 16 or 17 because I hadn't been quite uh, consistent enough on it. But um, I interview folks in the barrel racing industry, mostly of Alberta. Um, I've touched base a little bit with a few Americans, but not too many. Um, and also not just like trainers and athletes, but um, other people that are kind of in the industry, like uh, with finance or physiotherapists and it's kind of, I love it. It's good. That's awesome. 
Cassie, maybe we'll start with you. I, uh, I want to know a bit more about your personal background, kind of what, what do you do? Do you ride? How did it all get started? Stuff like that. What's, what's your real job when you're not a famous podcaster? Oh, yeah, famous podcaster. Uh, my real job, I am a feed sales representative for Country Junction Feeds and Hoffman's Horse Products. Um, so I travel uh, store to store and visiting dealers that sell our feed. And then I also do a lot of um, horse-related uh, trade shows and talk to people about Hoffman's Horse Products. Um, I really love my job. Um, currently, do not have a horse, though I wish I did because I'd be feeding in Hoffman's. Um, but I did have horses. <laughs> I grew up with horses. I did 4-H, rode English, um, showed, dabbled in Arabs a little bit, tried reining for a little bit, and then um, my cousin introduced me to barrel racing. So then I got hooked on that through the ABRA, so the Alberta Barrel Racing Association, um, and then started meeting more people through there and asking me, oh, come come rodeo with me or whatever. So I went to a couple couple years worth of amateur rodeoing and, and that fun stuff. And then I fraternityed one year and and then that was kind of the end with Stella. She, um, she ended up growing cysts in her fetlock joint. And the vet told me uh, surgery in that joint necessarily with cysts isn't always 100%. So we don't know if she's going to come back or not. So basically you have an expensive broodmare, which was just, that was the worst. But it is what it is, right? So I sold her as a broodmare because I had no finances or interest in it at the time. And, and I haven't gone back, honestly. So eventually I will. <laughs> That's my background in that. And so, and then with um, getting into podcasting, I had the blog for a long time. So I write a lot, did a lot of interviews that way. Um, eventually I noticed people weren't clicking on links anymore. People didn't want to read it. I just noticed numbers going down and I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast a lot back in the day. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and he was all about like podcasting, getting in front of people. People like to multitask these days. You can't, people don't want to sit down and read like they used to, right? So uh, podcast was it. And so a friend of mine, Kathy Bukovic, she told me that I should start doing it. And so I did. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't listened to the Gary V podcast yet. It's what? such a famous oh one. God. I know. Uh, huge shout out to Gary V. Yeah, absolutely. He, I was supposed to come and bomb. see him. He was supposed to be in Edmonton, but oh, that got no. moved to October. So, Oh, at least I'll it got moved. I'll still see him. Yeah. Maybe I should come up, come up to Edmonton and see him in the podcast. You should. He's awesome. He has this text community now too. You should look him up and, and join in. He just like sends out these inspirational messages and then you can text him questions. Like he actually reads them. Wow. So occasionally if you're persistent enough, he'll actually answer you or invite you on to like his live streams on Facebook and stuff. So right. cool. That's Pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. Hey, hey Ben, what about you? Kind of what's your background in horses and in life? I, I don't Maybe you do have another job other than going to school and having a podcast. But what's kind of what's kind of your background? Well, I've grown up in a horse family my whole life. I did play days up until around ten years old in my local county, and then I, uh, my mom found the rain cow horse, and she introduced my brother and I, Nolan, to it. And we, sh I, I started showing in in twenty fourteen in the rain cow horse, and then um, I go, I currently go to Aubrey High School. I'm a freshman there, and. I don't have any other jobs because no one wants to hire a 15 year old. So I started my own job. So that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I love it. And uh, why did you start your podcast platform, Ben? Well, I just wanted to show the horse community, the camaraderie of the rain cow horse and how uh, everybody's connected there and to promote the rain cow horse industry because NRCHA has been growing a lot these past few years. So I just want to keep that fueling. We approached, I approached Chris about starting it 
in late November of last year, and he was all in for it. And he uh, didn't real he he didn't want to ask guests a bunch of these questions, and I I can't answer these questions all by myself. So we contacted Russell Dilday out of Winniewood, Oklahoma, and he was all he didn't even know what a podcast was, even though the, the podcast app was on his phone and. We did our first four interviews at Carol Rose Quarter Horses and uh, three days after Christmas. And uh, we recorded, we uh, we didn't know the name of the podcast until after that recording session that day. Chris and Russell, they're naturals with podcast hosts. And uh, Chris, he, he listened to a few podcasts before then, but Russell, uh, he's just a magically a natural uh, podcast host, so. They're fun guys. They're fun to work with, and we all have great drives to do this, and we're very productive. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and Caitlin, how about how about yourself? Um, well, let's see. So, me, what I do when I'm not podcasting and stuff. So, I run podcasts similar to you under my media company, Digital Horsemanship. Um, I do a few things under there, most of which right now is consulting. Uh, in marketing and I try to tailor that to the horse industry to get more horse stuff in my life. Um, I also work full time for a startup and I leave the partner marketing organization there. Um, so that's that's a good fun as well, um, but not not horse related. So it's always great to have these things. And my, my background in horses. So, I mean, I grew up with horses. My mom's a horse person. My sister and I showed all growing up. We did the the all around thing when that was still a thing, when you actually like took your horse from the reining pen to the halter pen and all of that. Um, when I was real young and then, you know, as things started to get more specific um, and more refined, we graduated kind of into reigning full time um, and spent most of my horse career there. Um, I bred a horse in college. I'll try to give the short version of this, but I bred a horse to my mare, my mom's mare in college. So I would have a two year old or so when I graduated and something to do and a horse of my own. Um, and he just came out to be one of those very unique, very special horses that needed more from me and more from the trainers than a normal horse would. And it sent me down this kind of journey of learning and knowledge and, you know, seeing what else is out there and all these different approaches that I didn't even know existed. And I just had this moment of like, you know, if I grew up in this industry and I have access to these trainers and I still struggled, like, what is that like if you don't have that luxury? Um, and so it kind of sent me on this mission, so to speak, of just knowledge sharing and what we can do as humans, you know, to, to help our horses more. That's awesome. And I guess I'll answer my own question. Um, I actually grew up not in a horse family. Uh, my mom is an accountant. She runs marathons. My dad was a race car driver and he's a mechanic. So I was very far away from the horse world, but I was just like one of those crazy little weird horse kids that like loved horses. Um, and so I kind of begged, bought, borrowed, and stole to get on horses as a kid and ended up kind of uh, growing up in a trail riding type situation and then finding uh, cutting horses through people that were in that community. Um, I got into cutting through working for trainers, so I was a loper for a long time. And uh, from that, obviously, you can't make a lot of money loping, but I loved cutting and I really knew I needed to make money because I wanted to show and it's really expensive. So from there, I did start a marketing and media company. I was the assistant editor of a magazine up here called Western Horse Review. It's kind of like our quarter horse news. It's a bit of a blend between lifestyle and then actual uh, reporting on horses and shows. So I was writing quite a bit. I was blogging very similar to Cassie on my website. 
uh, at the time, I think it was called with a Western twist. It's had a couple different iterations. Uh, and I suddenly found myself, I guess, kind of well-known in the cutting horse industry for blogging about being a beginner. So I would talk a lot about being a novice rider and the things I was struggling with. And I guess it was, well, I know it was very relatable for other people. And I found that there just wasn't a lot of content like that. Like I, I could read articles in Cordoris News about my idols, but I wasn't really able to, you know, know that the person down the road was also like hot quitting every second in the show pen. And so that was kind of my background. I just really got started just putting myself out there on the internet, not really thinking that people would buy into what I was doing or really be reading, but it it did kind of spiral on me. And from there, uh, writing for the magazine, working for different brands, I actually started working for a veterinary company here in Alberta called Energy Equine. Uh, they're very innovative, very progressive, and I started doing their marketing over a year and a half ago, and or I guess two years ago now, and I've now kind of transitioned full-time for that company. So originally they were just a contract, and now it's full-time. So I do all their marketing. I'm running their office right now, and we're actually opening a second clinic that'll have a rehab component, which is really cool. So for me, it's a little bit of the best of both worlds. I still get to do this podcast. I still do a little marketing, but it's more what I like to do on the internet, not exactly hunting down and doing marketing for other people. And then on in my professional realm, I get to work for some really amazing veterinarians who are really focused on equine athletes. And we see a lot of cutters and I get to see some of my friends that way and have a pretty flexible schedule with a, a company that you know, can let me go to horse shows and lets me have fun and lets me have crazy podcasts. So that's kind of my background. Now I'm doing marketing for a vet company and I really see a lot of crossover in what I'm doing in my podcast and what I'm talking about with what we're doing on the horse side and health side of things. The podcast came about because in 2018, I was hauling. I had shown for a couple of years in a row. And in 2018, I got a really awesome opportunity to haul for, uh, to make world finals in the 2000 limit rider in the NCHA. And I was listening to a ton of audiobooks when I was going down the road by myself. I wasn't exactly riding with one particular trainer. So I spent a lot of time on the road alone with me and a horse and a horse trailer. So I was listening to audiobooks and podcasts. Caitlin, I think that's when I found your podcast. It was probably one of the first horse ones I'd ever listened to. And I had Cassie's and that was about it. And I was listening to a lot of books on um, mental strength and mindset because I was really struggling with that while I was hauling that year. And I just really wish I loved it, but I wish that there was more content about that, those kind of topics, but for riders, because I was hearing about, you know, business and mindset and all these things and athletes, but not really in the horse community. And I just thought that if I could go down the road and listen to somebody talk about their struggles and their big wins in cutting, that it would help me prepare for when I got to the show. And so that's where that's where the podcast came from. And uh, yeah, when I launched it, I thought it was a brand new idea that nobody would nobody would ever think of. And now there's so many in the Western performance horse world, but it's awesome. I love listening to all of them. I think they're wicked. So that's kind of my background. And so I guess I wanted, we already kind of touched on Gary V, but I wanted to know what other podcasts you guys listen to. I'm a big fan of Section K. Those are, that's one in the cutting horse world. They came out right around the same time as me and they're great guys. There's three of them that do it. They're from Texas. I love Andrea Fapani's podcast, obviously all of yours, uh, but Andrea's is, he's just so real. It's just awesome to listen to someone at their top of their game that can be as real as he is. And aside from the horse community, I really love Lewis Howe's School of Greatness I am a bit of a Bachelor fan, so I listen to Caitlin Bristow's Bachelor podcast as well. <laughs> so I can I can be cheesy. And a new one that I just found is uh, the Converse Cowboy. I don't know who he is. I've never met him, 
But he did some really awesome interviews with uh, Dick Piper, who owned Playgun, and Joey Jemison. I saw he had one with James Payne. So I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, where that podcast goes, because it's a new one that just popped up. What about you, Ben? What do you like to listen to when you're listening to other podcasts other than Cowhorse Full Contact? Well, I listen to you guys' podcast, Getting Edge and Finding the Feel. And I uh, also listened to Andrea's. Andrea's was actually the first Western Performance Horse podcast I discovered. I, it's it's kind of hard to get the, find the time to listen to podcast until now. But those those I didn't really I didn't listen to any podcast up until August of last year. So it's it, I'm still new to it, even being a listener. There's just so many too. Sometimes right. I find that I get a little overwhelmed with just how many episodes I have to listen to of everyone's different podcasts. Well, I'm finding good ones because there's so many now, which it didn't used to be that way. You could kind of search through new and trending and you'd get a good idea. And now you have to really look for them and dig. Mm -hmm. Also, Section K podcasts that are great, too. What you're saying is uh, I met him at the World's Greatest Horseman finals this year and uh, gave them some seats so they could experience the full uh, experience. And they're really good guys. Yeah. I met Cody and Caden. So. Well, I don't. I don't know why I didn't get any tickets. You didn't want to send me down from Canada, Ben? Okay, <laughs> just kidding. Note to self: Stay close to Ben. Yeah, note to self: Stay close to Texas and also Ben self. <laughs> Caitlin, what about you? What are you kind of listening to when you're not listening to your podcast? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll say what everybody here is saying, but I listen to everybody's here and quite a few of the other horse podcasts out there. One I I particularly love. Um, is oh my gosh they changed the name it used to be project horse but jake lindahl has one horseman's academy um they changed it and what i love about that one is they just it's everything from like basic horse training like how to load your horse on the trailer to troubleshooting problems with the performance horse but i find that when i'm having a problem if i listen really closely even though because i'm experienced i may have like the larger training idea better that they're so good at articulating all the details and, and steps and kind of nuanced components of it that I'm just like, oh, I wonder if I'm actually doing that and I don't know it or it just, they really get your gears going. Um, But outside of the horse industry, you know, I I listened to My Favorite Murder, which is, you know, one of the top podcasts out there. So I'm sure I'm not alone in that one. Lots of marketing podcasts. Um, Criminal is a good one. And uh, Gary V's, which we mentioned, is a really good one. I won't name off all my marketing ones, but uh, those are really the big ones that I listen to. And then I have a couple of hidden uh, hidden pleasures in there that, like you mentioned, Louisa, I listen to uh, Sup and Watch What Crappens because I'm a Bravo person and it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, I haven't but... checked those out. I'm gonna. I do also yep. like Bravo. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> what about you, Cassie? What are you listening to? Um, like horse and rodeo related, um, racer's edge is really good. Yeah. Um, it's a great podcast. I really like listening to them. And then our friends, Ted and Wacy with cowboy shit. Yeah. So Ted had, has everything cowboy.com. And then they decided to do a podcast. I think he was finding the same thing. People not necessarily clicking and reading as much. So he decided to jump on podcasts and they're like in the sixties for how many episodes they've had. And they've what they've just passed a year. I don't know. They've been around and they're doing a great job. I think, um, and then non-rodeo related or horse related so much. Um, Tony Robbins, Gary V, Oprah Super Soul. <laughs> I have to. I love Oprah. Um, armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. I think he does a great job. I love his interview styles. Um, Tim Ferriss. 
He's yes. really great. Um, I have his book, Tribe of Mentors. It's awesome. And The Daily, I don't know. I, I know I'm Canadian. It's usually American affairs, but I like to keep up to date on things. So that's my yippee. That's what I listen to randomly that no one would know, I don't think. <laughs> I like a lot of those. I really do like Racer's Edge. That's the classic mm-hmm. equine podcast um, yeah. in the barrel racing world. They just did a really cool series with Lindy Birch, who was a uh, one of the only women to win the futurity and uh, Dina Kirkpatrick. And it was yeah, awesome, awesome to listen to. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good one. Yeah, I agree. Check that one out. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, okay. You guys, what, let's go kind of to your own podcast. So what have been your favorite interviews so far? You got to pick favorites now, Ben, let's start with you. You have the, the least amount of episodes, so maybe it'll be easier or trickier. I don't know. I'd say my favorite episodes are Ken Wold's. Ron Rawls and Matt Cooks. Those have been the most popular uh, episodes for us. Yeah, I really liked that one with Ken Wold. That was awesome. It was uh, it was long, but I I was like in hooked the whole time. It was wicked. Yeah, they got into the mental preparation with the yeah. show pin because you know I think uh, these past year few years is uh, people are starting to realize how all the horse uh, disciplines are a lot of it's the mental game because you know. They were we were starting to talk about that in the podcast because a lot of people when they think mental preparation with horse showing horses that's kind of embarrassing and you're stupid to think of that you know go show your horse but it's not you need to be mentally prepared I've yeah. had trouble with that in the show pen I know many dozens of other people that have struggled with that and learning how to fix it and get better yeah and I think so. I think it's like the it's something that everyone has dealt with like if I hear Kenwold talk about how he trains a cow horse. I mean, I know I probably don't even know what he's talking about, to be honest, because I've never even tried it, but I can take away his stories. And when he talks about mental preparation, and I think that's kind of the natural connector for all industries. That's kind of why I love listening to those stories. And you, Caitlin, what have been some of your favorite episodes? You've had a lot. Oh, I don't, I don't know about a lot. <laughs> Ben's, Ben's uh, catching up to me here pretty, pretty quick on the episode count. But, you know, I, there's a few that I love all of my guests. I think all of the interviews, of course, have something special they bring. There's a few that stand out in my mind as being maybe special to me. Uh, one is Jason Van Landingham's. That was early on. And he just did such a great job of breaking it all down. It's very clear when you talk to him that he doesn't do a single thing without knowing why he's doing it and thinking about it beforehand. I mean, like every little thing is methodical and so not only does he think about it that way, but he could explain it very clearly. And so um, I find that episode particularly valuable. Um, one I hold dear to my heart is uh, the episode with Warwick Schiller. And uh, there's a lot I cut out in there. We had some personal conversations in the middle. And so I'm a little emotionally attached to it. But I think it just brings this, again, as we were kind of mentioning just before, that side of the human um, and thinking about what what you're doing and how that's affecting the horse all the way down to kind of your energy, um, which I just think is so, so critical. You know, the person who wins that day isn't necessarily the person on the best horse. It's the person who made the best out of the horse that they had that day. And I just love, you know, people can help bring light to that. And then I just have one that's is not released yet. It should be out next week. I just interviewed Nathan Piper and I'm really pumped about that one. (laughs) I'm really excited to uh, send it out and see what people think. He was another one that just everything he does is very thoughtful. um, And he thinks about, you know, himself as an athlete and 
changed his diet and how that could affect his riding and just all of these really critical components that you don't hear about a lot. Um, so excited to get, get that one out there. Don't you, do you guys do this where like you record an episode and you just like freak out after you're like, that was the best episode I've ever done. Like, I can't wait to upload it. Yeah. You're like so pumped. I want to press that publish button three days early. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And then sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get it. I got to get an episode recorded. I got to find someone. But yeah, no, I love that feeling. It's like a crazy adrenaline rush when you're like, that was awesome. That was wicked. (laughs) Yeah. And when they make it easy on you too, you know, the people who are kind of used to talking and, mm-hmm. and stuff and not everybody yeah. is and it's our job to bring that out in them but sometimes you know you sit down with somebody and they can just do that and you're like wow that was that was so easy <laughs> yeah and you cassie what have been your favorite interviews um well so i probably have the least amount of podcasts so it should be easy for me and it is my favorite one um blaine mcdougall he's this guy out of the states um he barrel races but he follows like all of the wpra uh, women's professional rodeo association barrel racers like knows a lot of them personally and has followed them knows all the bloodlines know what each bloodline does like he's just this wealth of information in the barrel horse world um and he's hilarious like people love him i've had him on three different times and every single one of them there those are the top podcasts like downloads wise but also i just again he just made it easy he could talk all day long about the sport and about all the horses or um, we do like an nfr recap and him watching and predicting what was going to happen and he was awesome. He was my favorite one for sure. And then um, recently I did one with my friend Marissa Epp on um, finances. And I know it's like, oh, that's not barrel racing related. That's not horse related, but it totally is like the debt I have from fraternity and rodeoing you guys. Like, yeah. So anyways, I thought that was a really good one and that it had a lot of valuable information in it for people, especially as horse folks. Cause I don't know. I mean, not all of us are bad with our money, but it just had a lot of good information and I hope more people listen to it and appreciate it the same way I did. Yeah, no, I loved that one. I think you're spot on about financing being very important <laughs> for people that show. I think I'm, I'm the same as a lot of you. There's, I mean, I'm at 48 or 49 today of uh, episodes. And so there's been so many great conversations. One of my favorites is Tim Smith. He's won, I think, $8 million, $6, six million. Now I'm going to get it wrong. He's won a lot of millions of a lot of dollars. Um, and he's done it in a really cool ways. He's well known for being a catch rider. He's well known for his own horses being really successful. And he's uh, originally from California. And he is like, he can talk like he should have his own podcast. I'd really I really wish that Tim would have his own because he was incredible. And he's a hero of mine. So to be able just to like jive with someone and sit there and talk to them and them be so easy to interview. I absolutely loved it. I, that's probably one of the only ones that I could listen to a million times over and just ignore my own voice, which sometimes gets gets a little annoying. And then another one that I love, I did one with Dustin Gonnet this year. Um, he's a he's a local Canadian trainer who's very well known. He's a million dollar rider. He's very quickly approaching two million. He's kind of Canada's one of their favorite sons. And I find it really hard interviewing people I know. I don't know if you guys have interviewed a lot of people that you know personally, but I really struggle with it. And I was starting to feel like maybe I wasn't representing Canada as much as I could have, but I just have a hard time asking people to sit down with me, which is a weird, weird thing. If I don't know them, I find it a lot easier. So I ended up like just knocking on Dustin's door and I went over to their place and I had an interview in his kitchen with him and he won uh, the three-year-old and the four-year-old and he was 
the champion and the reserve champion in both at the Calgary fraternity this year. So it was an incredible interview. He won like $70,000 in a couple goes. And that was just a really great interview because it was kind of my own little mental thing about being a podcaster. And then, yeah, I've just had so many great ones. I guess the third one I'll list is uh, the very first one I ever had was with Tatum and Kylie Rice right after uh, hashtags won the world championship. And uh, Kylie was just so warm and friendly. I was just some random person that was like, I'm starting a podcast and I want the open champion and, you know, hashtags Loper, but also his wife to, to be on my podcast as my first episode. And they really made it happen for me. And um, now she still kind of hops on my page every once in a while and comments on my little shout outs or sound off Sundays and stuff like that. And it's just really cool. It's a really cool way to like just connect our community with people that you've never met before. So I really appreciated that. I thought that was really nice. So we kind of talked a little bit about this, but what do you guys think makes a great interview? Ben, what, what you're kind of, you have to wrangle two hosts at the same time. So what do you think makes a really great interview? It has to be natural. You know, I think if you don't have questions in your mind, that's planted into your mind that you can ask, then I think it would be a little bit of a problem to make a good interview because what we do is we let our uh, guest, we kind of just talk to him for 15 minutes. We're not, we're not even sitting down at the table because they might be nervous about being interviewed. So Chris and Russell kind of make them get relaxed. And because a lot of the guys we interview, they're personal friends of ours and Chris and Russell's. So if you, if you make it natural, like a natural conversation, like tack room talk, like, our, our goal is to make it where the interviews like you're sitting down with the trainers late at night at stall after a show day and they're telling stories to each other. So, yeah, no, I definitely, I think that's great. Do you ever get tired? Cause you do them all in, in person for the most part. And I know you said that you've done like blocks of days where you've interviewed multiple people like that must be tiring for you guys. Yeah. We interviewed six people at Chris's place oh. before the world show we worked <laughs> from 10 to nine o'clock at night. And, uh, I, our last interview was John Swales and I fell asleep for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, poor John. You couldn't even <laughs> hold then, it together for him. <laughs> uh, and it was cool because that interview was before he won the world's greatest horseman to see how his mind, put his uh, thoughts were on that. And um, two weeks ago, we went up to Deacon Equines with Lee and Ashley and we recorded about four people up there. We worked from 10 to 1030 at night so and there's no lunch breaks or anything it's straight so it gets a little tired but it's it's rewarding at the end yeah so, and it's great that you can get so it. many uh interviews live like in person not live yeah. but instead of over the phone yeah it's, if it's if it's in person that's the best to get the most natural interviews to be in person and on the phone over the phone yeah caitlin what about what about you what do you think makes a really great interview well, everything that Ben said, um, and I think on, on top of that, it's getting stories that you haven't heard before, um, which I think, you know, is easier with maybe people who haven't been interviewed as much, but as you climb the ranks and you start talking to people that have, you know, won a bunch of things and they've been interviewed before, um, they kind of get stuck in the same stories over and over again. So I think it's, you know, up to the interviewer to find those little threads and then, and then pull at them. Um, and, you know, to get the explanations clear enough that they make sense out of context and they make sense to somebody who 
I mean, at least for me, my goal is that it would make sense to anybody in the horse industry. When we talk about reining, it should make to it make sense to a jumper or, you know, a dressage rider or a barrel racer. So that's that's really critical. I think about that a lot as I'm as I'm interviewing my guests, and I always, you know, preemptively let them know, like, hey, I may ask you the same thing multiple times, or I may ask you to explain something, and it's it's not because I don't know, or it's not because I'm questioning what you're saying. It's because I want to make sure that everybody listening, you know, understands, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so I, that's really what I try to do. Mm -hmm. Cassie, what about you? You guys are just stealing all my answers. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, like obviously a natural flow of conversation is really nice and having a guest that's passionate about whatever it is that they're doing, um, with good insight and they can generally carry a conversation just by themselves almost, which makes it so much easier and makes it a great interview because they're going to offer insight on things that you're, you might not necessarily know or things you haven't heard before. And that's those are the things that people want to hear, right? Like you were saying, different questions in an interview um, that aren't going to be the same ones where they heard it on Louise's podcast or Ben's podcast, right? Um, but yeah, otherwise you guys took all the answers. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, it's it can be hard. Like I, I send questions beforehand, but maybe it's the <laughs> writing background in me. Like I really try to do my research on who I'm interviewing. So it takes me a long time to like really research, get the questions done, get the questions out to them, try to find a time. But I do, I do really want them to be somewhat prepared, especially if they're not used to being interviewed, but you also want it to be natural and you want to like, you don't really want to get to like this emotional place with them, but you want them to open up and be comfortable. And it's hard to balance all those things with certain people. Some people are just super open and easy to talk to, or like Caitlin kind of touched on a bit more like professional. They've been interviewed quite a bit. And so they're used to it, but others like it's, it's funny. Some people that I think will be great interviews and I think we'll kick it off. Sometimes it takes a bit longer to get them comfortable and others. I'm like, Whoa, like I couldn't believe how comfortable you were. So I think it's just such a balance of making it not too polished, but not too like ad hoc, probably my personality too. I couldn't go into an interview just not being prepared. I, I would, I would suck as a podcaster. <laughs> That's a really interesting point. Who, uh, who writes or sends questions out ahead of time? Louisa, you said you did. Yeah. You do as well, Kathy. Yeah. Ben, do you? Chris and Russell, they have about four questions and they just feed off of each other for an hour or two. So they just, they, while one's asking a question, the other one's thinking about it. They're, so it's pretty impromptu. Yeah. Question. So, but that, that's what, that's what people like. So we'll just keep on doing that until there's a problem. Caitlin, what about you? <laughs> Do you send out questions? I send the same thing to everybody. I send a framework. Um, that's like, think about a few stories of horses and things like that. Um, and then I send my, I do a rapid fire round with everybody and they're the same questions. So I send those as well. Um, but otherwise I don't send questions out ahead of time unless they explicitly ask for it. I did, um, recently have an interview where they insisted on knowing the questions and they wanted to prepare and that's what made them comfortable. But otherwise to Ben's point, I try not to, um, so we don't get stuck in like this kind of back and forth. I do do some research um depending on the person and how much is out there but a lot of the times there's not a lot out there um and so it kind of creates this like the audience and I are learning about them together which which I also like that approach totally you know both works yeah and like to Ben's point I always think about like I've said to the section k guys like they can riff off each other a little bit too as hosts like as co-hosts whereas it's just like me and another person so I think that's why for me like having questions like I can at least follow some sort of a timeline and I don't start 
you know, stumbling over myself or forgetting real major points because I mean, I interview people in the cutting horse world, so I, I know them. Like I already know kind of the stories that I want to hear. And that's been kind of my like thing with marketing. Usually what I like, people like. So I just go that way about it. <laughs> and then I wanted to know what what you guys have learned about the interview process. You know, what have you kind of as your podcast has developed, what have you learned and what do you do differently? There's if I listen back to my podcast, uh, the reason I asked this question is because I said totally a ton. Like to like to agree with someone I'd be like totally totally and it's so embarrassing and like a friend of mine had had literally called me and he's like you gotta quit saying totally so now there's stuff like that and I've also learned how to be quieter like you know when you're in a normal conversation you say like you nod and you say yes and sometimes if it's over the phone obviously because I do a lot of the interviews over the phone I would have done that and I pick up on it in my old interviews now it's kind of distracting as a listener to hear the host kind of interject and I find that it stops people from the conversation that they're having kind of out loud. So that's, those are two things that I've changed up since I started, but I wanted to know if you guys have had anything that you've changed since you started your podcast. Caitlin, let's start with you. Oh, so many. (laughs) I can't remember all of my ticks, but I had a lot of them. I think one was a go and so, or something like that. I'll say, yeah. Or I say, yeah, a bunch of be like, yeah, yeah. I was like, why am I saying yeah four times in a row? Like nobody does that in a conversation. <laughs> um, you know, I, the same with like the, the mic control and, and stuff, but you know, one, one big thing that I, I've learned is how to control the interview. I think there, it depends on the guest, but sometimes you'll get the guests, especially the ones that are really good at talking and they'll just, they'll just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and to learn how to politely and tactfully navigate them back to the main point or to like the main kind of narrative or theme of whatever the podcast is. And so for mine, it's, you know, it's mindset and habits and things like that. So I'm trying to always bring people back to that point and learning how to do that um, is, has been really important to getting good interviews. Uh, There are some tricks to that. I, you know, now I am able to split my audio and so it records in two. So if I do interrupt, I can take out my interruption later and kind of piece it back together. So it's like, smooth and it doesn't sound like I interrupted. So there's some, there's some tricks there that help me, um, you know, but, but also the skills that I've had to develop. What about you, Cassie? Uh, Louisa, we're very much the same. Uh, we want to <laughs> go back and listen to any of mine. Uh, mine was awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, great. Like every, <laughs> every response from a guest doesn't need a reply from me, but just the same thing I do again, a lot on the phone as well. And so yeah, same thing. I'm not nodding in front of them. I also find like there'd be times with one girl that I interviewed, um, if I was quiet, like t- mentally telling myself, be quiet, be quiet. Um, she would kind of pause, like waiting for me to reply. So I paused the interview and even told her like, don't worry, I'm going to be quiet. You'll see that when you listen to the podcast later, it's much better than me saying great, amazing, <laughs> awesome <laughs> so many times. So yeah, a lot more of them, less of me. Um, yeah. A lot of good things happen in the silence. If you like yes. hold back from yeah. responding, and then they inherently want to fill that gap. Yes. And that's where you get like the really interesting tidbits, I think. Yeah, it's hard because it's not as natural to sit there yes. and be like quiet and just wait. Yeah. But I do agree that if you, it makes someone just start to ramble a little bit more, but it works in your favor as an interviewer. And Ben, obviously you're not doing the interviewing, but kind of what have you guys learned as you've been going down this road with Cowhorseful Contact? 
Yeah, tell us about Chris and Russell's ticks. They're unreal. They're like they're they were made for podcasting. <laughs> well, they Chris says that's awesome a lot, but we we don't ha- we haven't had any complaints, so we're not, we're not worried about it. <laughs> so, um, we what we changed. I saw it. This we actually it was at this. What I noticed at this last recording session is Chris and Russell let the person continue on and not say anything like what y'all were just saying and that's what they've changed so um what also i've changed with production is you know probably the first few episodes i would have an audio problem because one level would be different than the other because i just film on a single track and not on split tracks like what caitlin was saying um so I want to learn how to do the split tracks, but it's complicated since I use Audacity and it's kind of 2000 software, but it's really good software, but it's kind of hard. There's some shortcut. I talked to Jim Essick with Andreas podcast and he said there's a shortcut. So yeah, the other thing that I think I've learned is um, to not edit too much within the track. Like in the beginning, my ums and then if someone you know coughed or if they had a weird pause I would try to like go in and just like do all these little edits and edit everything and try to make it perfect but then I I can listen to people's podcasts and I can tell when they've done that it just doesn't feel as natural either it almost stops you from really like engaging in what you're listening in and that's the other thing that I learned as I went like natural conversation there are pauses there are ums you know you can't just edit yourself to death because you're critical of how you might sound (laughs) Yeah, that's what I do. Yep, been there. I think I used to spend like there are episodes. I don't know something crazy like eight or twelve hours in there editing and like taking out all the ums and stuff. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I know some people like pay to like they'll send it away to an audio person to edit. I think that's what Ted and Wacy do. They have someone that goes in for the Cowboy yeah. Ship podcast. She's very good at it though, obviously, because she does it professionally. But I know I was not that good at it. <laughs> I lost a lot of audio I- that way. <laughs> I send it out now. Um, I I didn't used to. It was just this most recent season. I started sending, uh, outsourcing my editing to get better audio quality. Um, I can only be so good. But then also, it's mostly to prevent myself from over editing. So I record. I'll do like a quick jot, like oh, I should take out that chunk. I said something stupid, and I'll take that out before I send it off. But otherwise, they cut it in half for my two parts, and they send it back, and I publish it. Because I, if I listen to it, I just. It's already out there. I overthink it. Now it's out there and I can't stop it. So I wanted to know kind of what are some of your dream interviews or kind of bucket list interviews that you guys have? I I wrote this question and then was like, I don't really know. I feel like I've done so many. Um, I really want this year to get all the 2019 world champions on my podcast. Uh, And that's really just actually now, unfortunately, with COVID, that might actually be easier. Uh, It's hard to get all those people on your podcast when everyone's showing and heading down the road. But now that everyone's at home, it might be a more achievable thing for me to do. I really focus on the weekend shows and cutting. Um, I do less of the age event stuff. And so really highlighting those world champions from all the different levels and all the classes that we have is really important to me because, you know, I, I also love the world finals concept and I've been there myself. And so it's something I really like to promote. I'm also an NCHA director. So I try to, I try to balance my podcast and I try to bring the different regions together in a way. So that's kind of what I, maybe a topic I want to focus on. I don't necessarily know if I have a dream interview. I've been hounding Lindy Birch for a long time. And then she went on the racer's edge podcast. I was like, and then she was on a regional call with me as a director. And she's like, I was just on a podcast. I'm like, 
it was and then she's like it was barrel racing i was like really lindy you're gonna go on a barrel racing podcast and not mine but i'd like to get her on the podcast and yeah there's there's i mean there's a bunch of people but i think one thing i've learned is that um with podcasting probably when i started out i would have never thought i'd be able to get as many big names as i have um but they're so willing to come on so nobody really feels unattainable anymore but what about you guys caitlin kind of what's on your bucket list yeah, you know, I'm in an interesting uh, phase for this season two. I've really taken an approach where before I felt like I was maybe going down kind of the the ranks, so to speak, like looking at the top writers and just making my way down the list and interviewing as many people who said yes. Um, and now I'm more in this kind of fluid motion where every time I interview somebody, I ask them for a recommendation. Oh, that's a great and idea. Kind of, yeah, so no matter their discipline, their sport, if they're a showman or a trainer or a loper or whomever or a judge, I've gotten some recommendations for some judges recently. Um, I just kind of chase those. Um, so I'm just chasing kind of the content and these different points of views right now. There are two uh, women on my list. I would love to get more women interviewed. I think they're so focused and busy, busy hustling that they uh, – they have hard time finding the you know time to dedicate, which I totally totally understand. Uh, but Tanya Jenkins and Abby Langle, I'm still gonna harass you until you say yes. <laughs> I feel that way. I feel like I've done it. <laughs> I've done some harassing for sure. Ben, what about you? Kind of what's uh, what are some dream interviews that you guys would want to do? Well, we have Taylor Sheridan. He said yes, cool. but we're kind of having trouble setting that up just with the whole coronavirus with that and Mm -hmm. finding the time because he's very busy with Yellowstone and the last cowboy and we're also going to try to get in contact with Lyle Lovett because he competed in cow horse several years ago so we want to get his story on that so those are my dream interviews that's awesome what about you Cassie it's hard for dream interviews. So before I did the podcast, I would interview all the NFR barrel racers before they'd head to the NFR every year. And I'd also do the CFR girls before CFR. Um, so I've interviewed most of them. It's always been um, written in interviews with them. But um, for podcasts, I guess Sherry Servey would be great because I never did get her. She was the one barrel racer that would kind of allude. She's a little more private, which is that's totally fine. Um, Lisa Lockhart, I got to do her once, I think, uh a podcast interview would be great with her. And then um, Haley Kinsel, of course, world champion. Um, and she's got a lot of great insight on the sport. So she'd be really awesome. But otherwise, I don't know. I kind of want to not just focus on the athletes. Like I said, where I talked with Marissa on finance or, or Blaine about just kind of the whole sport in general. I kind of want to just keep going along to those other parts of the sport and the rail racing community. So as for dream interviews, yeah, probably just those top three ladies there. Yeah. I don't know about, about you guys, but sometimes I have a hard time balancing like the competitors with other people in the industry. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting, but then sometimes I see my numbers and I'm like, I feel like you guys might like the top competitors more. So I don't yeah. know where, where do you guys feel about that? Like interviewing top riders and then, you know, other people in our industry, Caitlin. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah you know, I think, I think it depends on, on your audience. Um, so I, I started out with the goal of kind of hitting that fringe of people either just coming into the performance horse industry or just on the outside who, you know, aspire to come in and show and and really be competitive. And I feel like I've done that quite well. And so it allows me a little bit more flexibility in terms of bringing people on who maybe aren't trainers and maybe aren't the top people, um, but have really interesting stories and points of view and, 
can be a sense of motivation. Um, so I have a little bit, of, I think maybe more flexibility there than, mm-hmm. than others whose maybe audience are more in the competition space. What about you, Ben? What, what do you think your audience likes to listen to? I guess just talking, regular talking, <laughs> but they, we try to get the big guys, everybody requests for the big guys out in California. And we tried to do that at the world show, but we were, we were all busy there at the show. So, um, we, we were trying to get a lot of the big guys around here, but we we're, that's what we we're going to focus on, but coronavirus ruined everything. So <laughs> it really did. <laughs> yes. Yep. Bam. Another thing that I've done uh, this last year that's been kind of cool as an NCHA director, um, which was a little nerve wracking, is I focused on some really hot topics within the NCHA. Um, maybe some of you listening, you know, we've had a we've had some real ups and downs. We we had some governance issues. Uh, we had some kind of rules come down that were really fought. And there's been a it's been pretty tough on social media for our sport in the last year. So I'm trying to create content that really pumps up our sport. And I'm also trying to get to like the realism behind maybe some of the fake news that's been going on. We recently poached uh, Jay Winborn from the NRCHA. He's our new executive director, and I think he's going to do an awesome job. So that's actually another interview I'd really like to do. Uh, Jay's been great so far for the NCHA, but I've definitely opened myself up to, you know, interviewing the VP candidates. I touched on some really hot topics with some people that were kind of at the front lines of yes or no people against governance issues and stuff like that. And I've talked to a lot of executive committee members and it's, uh, I don't know if other people like it, but I feel like I'm doing a service to my sport for just getting to the real truth about what's going on and trying to just get information out to people and remind people that, you know, they need to get involved too. They need to vote. They need to be good members of their association. So that's kind of been a little bit of a side project for me. And it's, it was, it was scary, but it was good in the end. (laughs) Do you want to hear an interesting fact about Jay Winborn? Yeah, if it's, well, you're 15. I'm like, I was going to say if it's PG and it's Pro-J. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, back in his, I guess, mid to late 20s and 30s, he was uh, one of the top 100 DJs in the country. So like EDM music no when it first started. So he uh, he was out of Miami and Dallas. So he, he I was asking about it. He had to buy all of the vinyl records the day like of his performance and learn how to mix physical discs and it's not all digital so it, it was interesting so that's that's why the music's so good at the nrcha finals <laughs> and make all the playlists so. that's awesome jay should i was I mean, jay should have his own Dan, podcast <laughs> yes but he's a great guy he he really turned around in our cha when he joined in 2012 and i think he's gonna do a very good job at ncha yeah i think that's what we've all seen as well with the nrcha it's it's kind of become like the cool new Western performance sport in the last couple of years. And I mean, world's greatest is such a great concept and it's been really cool to see. I mean, not just what Jay's done, obviously it takes a a village, a huge village to do those types of things, but it's been neat to watch. And I hope that we can bring some of that into our sport too. Cutting can be a little slow for spectators. So we got to, we got to, we got to try everything that we can to make it a cool sport, but it's awesome. So everyone, everyone in these little boxes should try it one time. Uh, oh, I would love to. It's awesome. So I wanted to know kind of how you guys podcast, what platforms you use, what equipment you have. <laughs> it's been such a, an uphill battle for me. I literally had it. I had an old MacBook pro that I couldn't get GarageBand on. So I bought a new one. So I use GarageBand. I tried a mixer and it wouldn't work. So now I have this, 
it's a Behringer. I think I don't even know what it's called, but I hook things in and I can change the sound volumes. It's not totally a mixer, but it's some sort of equipment. And then I have USB mics. Definitely struggled with the tech side of things starting off. And I did a lot of like interviews where I would just hold my phone up to a microphone and like pray that it worked somewhat. Uh, but we've become a little bit more professional in the last the last six months, but definitely the tech side of the podcasting has not been my strong suit. Ben, what do you guys use to podcast? Well, we use a Rodecaster Pro. Um, it's a soundboard that has about four mic channels, and it make it makes it makes everything easy. I it's the best six hundred dollars you'll ever spend for podcasting because um, you can even use it for DJing horse shows because. Oh. I've always wanted to DJ the world's greatest horseman or snaffle bit fraternity finals. So, but also the mics we use are uh, Seinhauser MD4, excuse me, MD46, and also two uh, E935 mics. So, those are German mics and they're very good. So, Chris has to have his own special mic because he likes to mumble a lot. So, it has to pick up that gain of his. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So is a roadcaster like a system for podcasters? I've never even heard of that. Yeah, specifically for yeah. podcasting. I think did you get one, Caitlin? I saw oh. that on your story. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, yeah, this is you convinced me, Ben. This is see, this is what I was talking. I don't know what this is, but this is what I have. <laughs> yeah, that works too. It's like a little baby version. Yeah. I bought, I went to Long and McQuaid, which is like a Canadian um, music store, I guess. They And I, they're the, all these old guys that love guitars. And now they're like, these podcasters are driving us mental. But they sold me a mixer. It wouldn't work. And I, I just brought it back. And I was like, and this poor old man sat with me for like two hours. And finally, he's like, you just need this thing. And I was like, yes. But it is making the audio of my, my phone calls a lot better. So Caitlin, you obviously use the Rodecaster too. Tell us a little bit more about it. What do you do to podcast? Yeah, so this is at full disclosure. This is actually a rental. Um, I'm gonna re- Zoom launched one, a similar board um, in December, and I want to try that one. I there's a heated debate in my podcast groups about which one to get. Um, but since we'll be doing a lot more virtual interviews, um, and I also need to do that to scale, I need the equipment to do it. Um, otherwise. I've always recorded in person or on the road. And so I use two of these. So I wear one, obviously, and my guest wears one. And these are Audio-Technicana headset mics. It's a dynamic boom mic. Um, If you want to get into like the dynamic versus condenser stuff, just don't get a condenser. Just get a dynamic and call it a day if anybody's thinking about a mic. Um, And then I record directly into a a Zoom H6, which is like a portable recording. It's like a condensed version of this big road thing that I just showed. Um, And it's it's been stellar. So that's what I do. I edit in Adobe Audition, but I mentioned earlier, now I I send out for editing to save me the eight to 12 hours of being (laughs) self-critical. I also have an Audio-Technica mic, but I think I have the cheaper one. It's like a ATR. Like a little, I don't know. I got it off Amazon. I do like it. Those are the good ones, especially for recording right into your computer. That's what I hear, at least. Cass, what about you? I know that you have a similar story as me. (laughs) Not exactly. You started like you were one of the first podcasters. Yeah, and I'm still using the exact same way. Um, So I started off with my 2013 MacBook that sometimes doesn't want to start, but I'm still using it. GarageBand hasn't completely quit on me yet. Um, And honestly, like it's really glamorous, you guys. Um, I have a little lapel mic 
just got those recently because I wanted to do in-person podcasting interviews, but now that's not going to happen, obviously, with COVID. Um, but what I do is I leave my house, even though I live in the middle of town, I have no like no service in this house. So I drive down to the county gym, sit in the parking lot, and I put my MacBook in the center console, and I call up someone, and I listen to them talk to me through the Bluetooth, and that's it. <laughs> that is it. That's how we do it. Um, I use Podbean as my platform, and um, that's it. Honestly, Cass, when you told me that you were doing it over Bluetooth, like your quality, your sound quality is so good. I was like, what did I spend all this money on? This is ridiculous. Like I was so annoyed. Like I feel like it's better than mine. And I have like, no, I have things from Long and McQuaid. Yeah, you're fancy. She's trapped in her good. car. She's like in a cocoon. Yeah, exactly. It's a good sound yeah. room. I do find I just moved into this house and uh, it has a lot, a lot higher ceilings than where I was living. So I'm like, do I need to create like a studio in a closet somewhere? Because I have <laughs> noticed lately, like my voice is really echoey in all these different rooms that I'm trying to record in. So that's been a bit of a, a bit of a podcaster issue too for me. Um, we ca- they make these like guards. Uh, you could look them up. They like go around the back and around the top of the mic. Oh. Um, I've seen people use like shoe boxes and fill it with foam and then like rubber band it around their mic stand to like hack the system. There you go. I've never done it, but I've seen it. Probably what I would do. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds right up my alley. (laughs) Shoe boxes and bands. Uh, we kind of already talked about this, but I just wanted to ask, have you guys had any hilarious interview mess ups or tech fails? I mean, I've been blessed, knock on wood. I've actually never lost an interview, but I've heard lots of podcasters saying that they they went, a lot of the guys that I know that use Zoom and Skype have said that they've gone and then all of a sudden the audio has gone. So I, that's why I'm like, you know what, maybe my way is a little bit more ghetto, but I've still never lost any audio. But I want to hear if you guys have any have ever had any tech mess ups. What about you, Ben? Have you ever had any fails in the podcaster realm? The guests, Mike level, he has a very quiet voice and doesn't have a strong voice. And I didn't think of that when we were recording. And his voice is very quiet. And I single track, not multi track. And um, you get a, kind of a couple complaints. So that's probably just the problem I had. But now I've learned how to, I've kind of, it's been, I've kind of been training my ear in the recording to, to make sure all their levels are sane. And then also, also on the roadcaster, there's a, there's level markings on that, but you can't, they're very, you can't really trust those. So um, I forgot to mention on the equipment that uh, I, for my podcasting platform is Anchor and I edit with Audacity. Oh yeah, so, I uh, I do yeah, GarageBand and then I upload on SoundCloud. That's kind of that's yep. what I do. Was your was your quiet interview John Swales? It was uh, Matt Cook. Oh, I see. I didn't yeah, I didn't Cook. mind the quality on that. I've just and, interviewed oh, and, John personally, like in real life, mm-hmm. and he's he's quiet. He's can be hard to listen. He's like hard to get to speak up sometimes. Yeah, but also Trail Townsend, he's kind of quiet, so I should have turned the volume up. And so. Caitlin, what about you? Did you just make a face when I said SoundCloud? Is that not the right one to use? Oh, it was not at that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not used to being on camera to watch my facial expressions. I was expressions. like, is SoundCloud bad? <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. I'm sure it's not. Uh, I thought it was, I think my face was, I think it's interesting that we're all hosting on different platforms as I use Captivate FM, um, which is different. Then I think it's just interesting. Everybody uses different. It is interesting. It's hard when you get started. There's so you read like articles and there's so many options. I was our, our mutual friend, Ted Stoven. I just called him and was like, what should I do? And I essentially mimicked what he did 
to be honest, because I just I couldn't handle it. Like the, you Google it and there's like 50 different ways to do a podcast. It's so confusing. Yeah, I have a question for you for you, for you guys that use um that put it on that's their your podcast is on Apple Podcast. How long is usually the the wait to put an episode out? Because I know the first episode it's like a day or two, but like if you're publishing an episode and you press publish, how long does it usually take for it to approve? For like me, it's a few hours. For, for me, me, I found it almost instant hours. to be honest. Yeah, really. Yeah, and I don't know if that's SoundCloud and the RS feed like really like pushing it. But I have, I've like, I've literally hit publish on SoundCloud and I found my episode a minute later on Apple. I bet yeah. Apple is like preferences then for hosting. So mine, mine takes it immediately on all my other platforms. And then Apple's like three hours ish. And then Anchor, I know Ben is weird. And I don't know if you swapped your RSS feed, but they do it in a strange way where like they own your RSS feed. So then Apple thinks that they own it. So then your reporting and your data gets also messed up. So you have to like go change the ownership with Apple and then come back and swap it with Anchor. And so I bet there might be something going on there. Yeah, it's whenever when you Sorry, publish on Anchor, it's, you, <laughs> you, immediately, you immediately, it immediately goes to Apple. So you just refresh. So that's, it's a nice huh. feeling there. Cause I think there's a couple other platforms that take a little bit. So that's about do most of y'all use, I mean, does most of your listeners um, on the uh, analytics with your, does it mostly Apple for you uh, yeah. guys? Yeah, I, I see, like, I would say it's mostly Apple, but definitely, I, like I said earlier, maybe before we got recording, uh, a lot of the old cutters are still, <laughs> they can't figure out how to download the podcast app, so they're still listening online. So I have like a, a plug-in on my website where you can listen. It's not great quality. I've had... I've had friends like my age be like, oh, your podcast keeps skipping when it's in my Bluetooth. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I found out that they were Bluetoothing my website through their phones. <laughs> and I was just like, you guys, like you got to listen to it on a podcast app. So I found that I actually have a lot of like on online listeners. I don't know what that would be, I guess, like Safari or whatever that actually just click my like westerntwistmedia.com slash podcast and listen to it through the SoundCloud plugin. But if you're listening to this, uh, in the general public, please don't do that. <laughs> please just teach, have a millennial teach you how to download podcasts on your phone. It's so much easier. Yeah. Well, Spotify is coming up quick. They're, I think they're in second place for me now. They've been spending a lot of resources on, on that. And then Pandora launched a podcast station area. So hopefully somebody has some kind of music listening app and yeah. it's already there on their phone. They just don't know. It. What about you, Cass? What do you find? Um, for which is the best one, or you want to go back to talking about mess ups? Because I, oh, yeah, lost, we were talking about mess I up. lost an episode one time completely. Like, so with GarageBand, as great as I think it is, uh, it isn't. Sometimes that 2013 MacBook of mine, I'll press start record and it will it'll record for like five seconds and then it shuts off, but the play thing keeps going. No. And so I've, <laughs> I now watch it for 10 seconds before I start the interview and it's done it before where it's just like, start, stop. And if I were to not pay attention, there it goes. And so, yeah, I did a, I don't know, 40 minute interview. And at the end of it, I said, I'm so sorry, but I have to tell you this, that didn't record. And we had to do the whole thing over again. Also, I'm sorry, the sunlight is coming in this window on me here. So if I just keep I going like this, no, it's not I have like a window here. I see that Caitlin has a ring light. That's the next thing I need to. Yes. Oh, 
Yes, called you out. We talked well, about ring yeah, lights. Well, yeah, thank that. you. Thanks for calling me out on that one. <laughs> no, but it's so true. I'm like, I need yeah. a ring light. This is terrible lighting in my weird little room. Uh, Caitlin, what's been your biggest podcast or fail? I actually forgot that that was the question I asked you guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, luckily, I've never lost an episode. Ugh. Knock on wood. I have like started the interview and then had the, oh no, I didn't hit record moment. Luckily, only a few seconds in. Um, but I did have one recently um it'll be obvious which one so i might as well say it so with wade black we had some like technical difficulties and it was my first one recording with somebody calling in and so you know i of course had tested everything ahead of time and it just never works the way it does when you test it and i ended up something happened with the translation of my audio and the way that it was like bringing in frequencies and stuff that i don't really understand that my editor talked to me about and what I actually ended up doing is I actually ended up going back and re-recording my parts oh my, completely oh my over. <laughs> so I listened, I listened to the track and would like talk over my voice and I had to re-record my my whole piece. His was coincidentally fine, just calling in on his phone. It was like classic, like I have all this expensive <laughs> fancy equipment and I mess it up. Um, but his is fine when he was just on his cell phone or whatever. <laughs> It's funny, like phone quality, like some people call, like I always do like the split sound if it's a phone call, um, just, and even honestly, if I'm, I'm in a room with someone, I actually, I should, I should probably say, I do have another podcast, the writing to excellence podcast, which is, uh, through the company I work for energy equine, my, the founder of our company has a very low voice. And so, and he just can't, I need to get him a microphone. I'm actually going to put that on our budget, a microphone like yours, Caitlin, cause the mic's right here. Cause he'll sit back. And he mumbles yeah. and he's quiet and I'm always like, bring it up. So I always have to bring his audio up all the time, but I find that it doesn't, it doesn't really work that well. Like I, you still can't really hear that well unless someone's like really speaking into a microphone. So the other thing I want to talk to you guys about before we wrap this up, although I'm having a lot of fun on this little, I feel like I'm on zoom. It's very COVID feeling. I've been doing this with all of my <laughs> friends. So I feel usually very I comfortable. Have a beer in hand. Yeah. Usually I'm like drinking some wine. We're actually going to do a, some games later on some friends of mine. We're going to play some like online games, I guess. Um, no, it's not house party. It's called like Jackbox. No, I know. They're like, let's have a game night. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> I'm here. I'm at home. Um, but I wanted to know what your guys' best advice for someone wanting to start a podcast is. Ben, let's start with you. 15 years old, two top trainers in our industry or the industry that you're in, and you start a podcast. Like, what? I mean, that's crazy to me. What What was your best advice? You're clearly a very brave kid. <laughs> I just say it's not impossible. You know, it's try to put your content over quality but also make sure quality is important important um i'd also you know if you're if you're a younger person and you're wanting to start this is you know you're never too young to do anything as long as it's legal so <laughs> that's awesome yeah so but it's just let this make sure you have connections with people because it's important because if you have connections then it's very easy to find guests that's that's my advice. How about my, you, Cassie? What's your my advice? My advice, uh, three points I made here because I did write down notes because I'm one of those people that has to be prepared um, and I'm not prepared with the sunlight coming in the window. Um, anyways, so just do it. If you're thinking about doing it and you have all these ideas, just do it. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, he just gets content out there and that's what he wants people to do is get content out there. He'll put a podcast episode out that's like three minutes long just to like he had a random thought just to get it out there. But he's got so many episodes that he can do that. It would be silly if I did. But whatever, just just do it. 
be consistent, which I haven't done. So I think that my podcast would be a lot more successful if I was consistent with it. Um, life happened. It was a roller coaster of all kinds of things. And that's, I can't make excuses. People do things regardless of their situation, but that's what I use as my excuse. Be consistent if you're going to do it and plan your content, like plan it out for however many episodes you're going to do and who you want to get in contact with and book them and have dates and, and get it done that way. That, that would be my advice for folks. What about you, Caitlin? Um, you know, I think to Ben's point, quality content over quality audio, just start making like, like Cassie said, and, and try to get better along the way. I mean, as the space gets more saturated, your audio quality will matter more and more, but you know, whoever is making the best content the longest will, I think, ultimately win. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do it if you have something to say, either a, a platform for yourself or your business or, you know, whatever you want to, to talk about. Um, but don't expect to make a bunch of money off of it <laughs> and you know, use it, use it to build up the other things that you do, but it's not here to make a bunch of money. So if you expect to start a podcast and make money and you think that's what people are doing, it's not. Um, and to that to that point, because you're not going to make a bunch of money off of it, it's your podcast. Do what you want. You know, interview the people you want. Talk about what you want. If you want to do like a weird episode that doesn't fall in line with everything else you've been doing, do it because nobody's going to get offended. And it's your it's your podcast, anyways. Like the world is not going to collapse if you talk about something you know outside your reign. And you know your your opinion and your point of view is is valuable. I think we probably all experience imposter syndrome mm -hmm. in this. And I think it's just like, who am I to, to talk about this? But, you know, everybody has a unique point of view and it's just as valid as, you know, the, the top trainer out there. I also like struggle with imposter syndrome. I've gotten a lot better. I mean, I kind of had prefaced myself with my own media page, my blog posts. Like I already had, a, I guess, a bit of a following, I would say, in the cutting horse world, but I didn't always connect it with reality. I don't know why with a podcast, it feels more intimate, like you're just talking right to someone else. And I mean, a lot of people had followed me in the past, but this year, especially when I went down to Fort Worth for the world finals and the futurity, I had multiple people reach out to me and want to meet me. Like I had this, Aww. this one girl take a photo with me and say that she listens to my podcast all the time. And she, it's like the first thing she listens to weekly that happened to me. I had like six or seven encounters like that. And it was really touching because you, you kind of forget when you're sitting here at home by yourself and you're doing interviews and you're putting them out there and, you know, on Facebook, people are liking and sharing or whatever, but you're not really getting that side of it. And I think that's been my takeaway. It's just great to just get content out there. It's good for our sports. It's not a secret yeah. that the like the horse industry is struggling as a whole from discipline to discipline. And the more cool stuff we can just put out there and the more we can bring the horse industry into the forefront of you know the 21st century, I think is we're all just doing our own little service to the sports that we love. And so, yeah, like you guys said, I think it's daunting when you want to start a podcast and you're thinking about, audio and content and interviewing people that maybe you're nervous about. Um, but I mean, there's a lot of YouTube videos, <laughs> like you can just watch YouTube videos, figure it out. Just get, just get talking to people and posted it and see, and see if people like it. I did want to ask you guys, somebody brought up, um, scheduling content. So I started every single Monday when I'm like, when do I do my podcast Monday, um, last year. And I did miss a couple episodes and I found that people really noticed it. They'd be like, Oh, you missed an episode. And so it would really get to me, but I felt like I was filling a lot of content, doing a lot of results stuff that I didn't totally love, but people did like, uh, so this year I moved to every other Monday and I do sporadic. I just started a new series within the cutting edge called, um, 
shout out Saturday. So, uh, and it's more geared towards entrepreneurs and people in the business world of the horse industry and brands and stuff like that, trying to highlight what they're doing. So now those are kind of sporadic and they're on Saturdays, but that's my schedule now. Uh, and I find it just for myself, this isn't a full-time job. I'm not making a ton of money on it. Like Caitlin said, I find it a lot less stressful if I have a week in between episodes. So what about you guys, Ben? What do you, what is your schedule like? Do you guys have a set schedule that you do? We, uh, we're pretty last minute <laughs> with, uh, inter- with recording sessions. Our last one on a Friday, I asked Chris and Russell, okay, y'all want to do a recording session? And Chris, I, he replied to me on Saturday. All right, we're having a recording session. Lee Deacons tomorrow. I'll pick you up and we'll uh, do that. So, and then also with publishing, we, at first we used to have, we just published every two weeks and then now we're publishing every week now, which I'm glad we're doing that because people are kind of getting upset that we were only publishing two episodes a month now. So. Yeah. What about you, Caitlin? What's your, cause you do seasons as well, which is something that I don't do. Yep. So I do seasons. It was actually ended up being out of necessity. I think Cassidy said this earlier when like life happens and it's not an excuse and all of that, but life happened and it took me way longer, you know, to, to get back to it than I thought it was going to. And so I said, oh, well, I'll make it easy on myself and I'll cut this into season one and start season two. I publish, um, mostly every Tuesday would like to, uh, make sure I get that out every Tuesday, but I do split this season, I split my episodes into two parts. I noticed that um, listening started to drop off at 20 minutes, about halfway through. Um, and people's feedback was just basically like, you know, I love the whole interview. I want to listen to the whole thing. But like an hour plus of content is just a lot in one mm-hmm. sitting. Um, and so to make it a little bit digestible and then easier to come back to it, I started cutting it in two. Um, and then this year, I have ambition to use every third Thursday uh, for like mini-sodes to kind of do what I was talking about earlier, like bring in other people, talk to people like Ben, who was on, um, and, you know, play around with a little bit of things outside of what what I normally do. I also have the ambition to be more like Ben in the fact that I'd like to batch my recordings yeah. and have them ready to go so I can just publish and not be chasing the next interview, which is something I've said from the start and just have never gotten to a good place with that. But, uh, you know, one day. I did that when I was at World Finals. I just got like, I don't know. 10 episodes done. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to come home for Christmas. I'm going to keep recording. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have all these episodes for the whole year, pretty much. And then I came home and I just started publishing them and I didn't record anything for two months. And then I was like, well, here we are back again with no content stressed out. (laughs) Cassie, what about you? I know that you said that you've been kind of back and forth, but I think you have a new goal in mind. So what is it? Share with the group. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm not definitely not a weekly podcaster. Um, I've been even just trying to do it once a month to get one a month done, which people know better with me now than to expect something from me every single week. Um, Like we had said, or someone had said, this isn't my main source of income. Um, Things come up. I'm not I'm not making any money on this podcast. Let's get serious for myself. Um, So it's not my number one priority. So if I get an episode out, awesome, great. People are listening and that's what matters and people are happy with that. But um, as for planning content, yeah, right now I'm just planning on doing, getting one a month out there. And if, if two come out in a month, wow, everyone's probably really excited about that. But yeah, yeah, I'm probably the worst podcaster, but that's okay. Put no content when I can. I'm sure you're you're not there's no way you're yeah there's no way i'm sure there's some really terrible podcasts and 
I haven't yet to hear one in the horse world, but I'm sure there's lots of crappy ones out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all the questions I have. Does anyone else have any questions for the group? We're already at an hour 17. I'm sure people have things to do and go to, although maybe not. I mean, COVID, but how, <laughs> does anyone else have anything like that else that they would like to say on this little podcast episode we're recording? No, I'm good. I think so. Lots to say, but I won't get up on my, on my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> ben, what about you? Do you have any other questions for the group? We can't see Ben's face, so we just can see a map. So it's harder to read what he's doing in his land. <laughs> I don't have a camera on my computer. No, that's all good. I'm trying to build a studio with all this time I need to kill, you know, to record so then we don't have to go to intrude on people's offices. So that would be nice. <laughs> but, I'll, we'll all come there and record if you get an yes, actual studio yeah. built. <laughs> Out from Texas. Yeah, we'll come to Texas and we'll just record in the self studio. I love it. Um, <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you guys for this. I thought it was really fun. I think it's just, uh, I know there's so many people out there that listen to our podcasts or listen to other podcasts in the horse industry. There's people out there that want to get started on their own podcasts. And so I thought it'd be fun just to bring a group together and just talk about the ups and downs and the good things and the bad things that come with it. So thank you all for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much you. for the invite. Very, really enjoyed it. Thank you.